Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, mm. folks. Do you know that today is National VCR Day, but he's too young to know That's what VCR true. stands for. Or yes, I am. There you go. He is the Duke of Durham Region. <laughs> he is the Khaleesi of Ajax. He is high energy. Andrew says Chapados. What a mouthful. How you doing today, Andrew? David, I think we should retire the Khaleesi yelling. <laughs> it was funny the first couple times. From all over Durham, you know, I'm... Born, well, I wasn't born in Oshawa. I don't know why I almost lied about that. I was born in Scarborough, actually. Oh, really? Mu- if you must know. That's very f- impressive. From what they call the armpit of Ontario, <laughs> Oshawa. <laughs> I go to all the best places in Ontario and live there for as long as I can. <laughs> Thinking about Cornwall next. Cornwall, well, there you go. I but hear it smells there. I don't think so. No. Why, why would you uh, defame th- the fair city of Cornwall? <laughs> I thought there was a plant or factory there that made it smell. Oh, Maybe that, that was the 90s. Is there any connection to corn with Cornwall? or? Yeah, they built a great big wall of corn, I believe, to keep the uh, <laughs> pilgrims out. No, David, I do remember VCRs. Not okay. quite Betamax, but I was around in the VCR age. I would v- record things off the television. You know what? That's a very good point. It's National VCR Day, but that would exclude the Betamax mm-hmm. Uh you know, for those of you of a certain age that don't remember uh, the late 70s, there were two competing <laughs> videotape formats. And from what I've read, Beta <laughs> was superior to VHS, but um, I think the folly of Sony, which kind of owned the technology for Betamax, hmm. uh, it didn't license it out. So even though they had the better product, uh, it turns out that uh, VHS uh, dominated. And uh, thank you, Mrs. Messenger. We've just been <laughs> given a list of uh, topics by our wonderful super producer, I think she spelled it Turdo as well as Trudeau. Very oh, I, sh- surely that's, uh, that's a typo. But Andrew, tell uh, the folks what it is we are ostensibly trying to do here today. Well, just another comment there. I believe Sony also lost the HD DVD battle to Blu-ray as well. Good point. And you know what? Um, (laughs) They say history repeats itself, which is true. But don't we learn anything from history? Uh, Again, like you said, HD, I I can't even remember. HD, DVD versus Blu-ray. And that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, right? (laughs) Um, They went down that road again. Complete corporate greed and hubris, I would suggest. Um, So I guess when there's a new emerging technology, are we going to get two of those as well? They probably did Laserdisc as well. Anyways, I guess this is a new show, I guess. <laughs> Did you know anyone aside from Siskel and Ebert that owned a laser disc? <laughs> um, Gary Busey in the movie Tommy Boy had laser discs. <laughs> Welcome to Rebel News Daily Livestream. Rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you can get the best feed every single day. We're on YouTube, Rumble, Super You Getter, and Odyssey. And if you want to chat with myself and Mr. David the Mongoloid Menzies, um, I think that's his nickname running 20 years now, you can do a hyper chat on Odyssey. With cash or crypto, you can do a rumble rant on rumble, or you can do a super you shout on superu.net. So you can discuss with us many different things, questions, comments, concerns. Last time we had a man calling you old. Um, sometimes we have somebody calling me mean. Sometimes we have people saying we just love David Menzies and we want more of him. But unfortunately, 
Um, he's not even alive right now. So, <laughs> well, you know, the fact is, we just really uh, don't care what you have to say as long as you send along. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't mean it that way, folks. I mean, in terms of if you want to be insulting, no problem. I've got thick skin. Uh, I think maybe Andrew does too. But um, this is how we keep the lights on, isn't it, Andrew? It's not like the legacy media and CBC, Twas Ever Thus, uh, getting over a billion dollars a year via. Um, what do they call it? Negative option billing, like mm. Rogers tried in 1994. You know, we're going to give you a bunch of TV channels you never asked for and don't want and bill you, and it's up to you to get in touch with us and uh, get them illegal. taken away. Well, I, I, I think there's some pledge that they'll never do it again. But, you know, it's worse than negative option because Rogers did the right thing and said, uh, you're right, uh, we blew it, we're so sorry, we'll never do this again. But I can't phone CBC headquarters and say, I calculated the amount of tax <laughs> money that uh, my household is paying to you. Can I get that back in the form of a check or uh, or cash? And uh, the answer will be click. You can actually do that in the UK, I believe. You can cancel your BBC contribution oh. and you won't get the channel anymore. But I have a bone to pick as along the negative option billing with newspapers. I get a newspaper and it's just, you just automatically signed up and then they send a child to your door to collect the money. And it's like, oh, if you want to unsubscribe, email here. No, you don't just leave something on my porch and then be like, you now owe me money for it. Like that's Did, not- Did that how really th happen to you? This happens which, all the time. Which newspaper? Um, I th think all the This Weeks in Durham do it. So they leave a newspaper on your, and by, I guess, picking it wow. up, they think you're accept accepting into a contract that you're going to pay for it, and then they exploit you with That's their children. That's crazy. You should do a, and, and you know what? That is the worst part of the story. Because if a child came to me, because I used to be a paper boy way back in the uh, uh, early 70s, and you'd go knock, 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 collecting. That's what we used to say. And, I wouldn't have the heart, I don't think, to a child, uh, exactly. you know, scram, I don't owe you anything. But it, who owns those newspapers that's doing that? Um, I think Metroland. Which is a tour star company. Oh, very good. And they're really in the gambling <laughs> business now, thanks to Doug Ford. He gave them a half billion dollar a year gambling license. Um, uh, so really, they recognize that the newspaper business, that's a sunset industry. But boy, there's plenty of Ontarians to exploit. I'll double check when I go home. But the idea that it's like, I've left something on your porch and now it being there on your property means you now have to pay for it. No, can I just like park my car on your lawn? And if you haven't moved it or or if you do move it, you now owe me the price of the car. That's not how it works. Andrew, I think you should do a story on that. That That's just unbelievable. That's the perfect story for Menzies Marketplace every yes, Thursday on Rebel Mark. News Plus. What's first on the docket, David Menzies? Well, um, I don't want to read the quote because that lets the cat out of the bag, but it is from our illustrious Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Why don't we run the video? Listen to the words closely, folks. And um, two things spring to mind. No, it is not April Fool's Day. And secondly, no, we did not doctor the audio to make him say something he didn't. I'm looking at this quote. Um, the first time I read it, my, my jaw was on the linoleum. Let's take it away, <laughs> Justin Trudeau. And my responsibility as prime minister is to serve all Canadians, not just the Canadians who voted for me. And that will always mean about truckers. listening to people you don't agree with and figuring out how to compromise in ways that keep people safe and move things forward. And it's messy. And it's far easier to stand there with a sign and say, make the planet safe again. 
Mm -hmm. Trump. Much harder to figure out how to actually do it. Oh, he doesn't do that though. Like, why would he even say that? Is is I, I didn't get a good view uh, south of the equator. Was Justin Trudeau's pants uh, in incineration mode? <laughs> I mean, Andrew. And that will always mean listening to people you don't agree with. Oh, maybe listening into people that you don't agree with, such as retired cop Rob Stocky, who uh, a few weeks ago we showed that he was wiretapped simply for showing up to the Freedom Convoy trucker protest. And did Trudeau ever have the courtesy, ever have the decency to go out Andrew and meet with the truckers, see what they had to say. No, he invoked the Emergencies Act. What a hypocrite. What a liar. Well, he doesn't go to Parliament very often. And when he does, he doesn't have a conversation at all. He just says, Mr. Speaker, and then doesn't answer the question. He doesn't go on any uh, non-favorable media. So the idea that he listens to people that disagree with him or speaks to people that disagree with him. And what was the quote there? Acts to serve all Canadians, not just the ones that voted for him. Yeah. It's completely untrue. You can ass Let's assume that the majority of people who are unvaccinated did not vote for him. He doesn't listen to them. Let's assume that most of the trucker convoy people didn't listen to him or freedom convoy people didn't didn't vote for him. He doesn't speak to them at all. He doesn't speak to the political opposition at all. He speaks to He probably doesn't even speak to Jagmeet. I'm willing to bet that he thinks <laughs> Jagmeet's too much of a loser to speak with. I think you're right. And also, uh, let it be noted, Andrew, because it sounds that, you know, not just the Canadians who voted for me, I think there is, um, he's implying or inferring that, he got most of the vote when, in fact... It's like 65% that don't vote for him. Well, not only that, but in 2021 and 2019, uh, Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole mm -hmm. won the popular vote. They mm -hmm. they actually got more vote. Now, I know, I, I don't get me wrong, folks, we have a system where it doesn't work that way. It's about winning ridings. But the, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, he seems to be thinking that he is the people's choice. He's won the majority of votes. And in terms of popular support for the Justin Trudeau uh, liberals versus the conservatives, uh, he lost out on that two elections in a row. Well, I believe one of the other things he talks about in this uh, series of clips where he's got his sleeves rolled up, so you know he's working hard. <laughs> um, that's just a telltale sign of any politician. Your sleeves rolled up, they're working for you. Um, that he talks about... Somebody asks him the question about when he ran in 2015, he wanted to change the voting system. And now he says, no, he doesn't want to do that. Of course, yep. you don't want to do that when you're winning. And when Hillary lost and when, uh, yeah, when Trump won, when Hillary lost, it was all about the popular vote. But they never want the popular vote if it means it's going to not have them in the prime minister or the president's seat. And that's what would have happened. We've had, we would have had from 2015 until now a conservative leader in Parliament, albeit I don't want it to be Aaron O'Toole or Andrew Scheer. Yep. But that's just what have, would have happened. And now he's saying he, he doesn't want that, even though that's what he promised. Is that the clip we have here? Yeah. Yeah. At least this, what you're going to hear, folks, at least is a truthful statement from Trudeau. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah, hello, this is a question for Mr. Prime Minister. So my question is, will you fulfill the promise you made in your 2015 and 2021 campaigns 
by replacing the first past the post electoral system with a new kind of proportional representation electoral system. Thank you. Uh, no. I don't believe in proportional representation. I don't think it's a good idea. I did well, commit did run on it? to replacing uh, the first past the post system. Uh, I love the idea of a ranked ballot where you get to pick your first choice, you know, pick the red guy first and then the orange girl second and the green person third, and then you never get the blue person if that's the way you choose to vote. Oh, it's so convenient how he did the exact order of which he agrees with. <laughs> you know, how funny, you know, uh, never uh, get the blue person. Um, if he doesn't believe in proportional representation, Andrew, why was that a major plank in his platform in 2015? Because it sounded good at the time. And now what sounds good is we'll vote for me and then you'll put Jagmeet second and then we'll have ultimate power. And then, you know. Who knows what happens there? The Green Party, apparently, because they're even further left. Um, it's never going to happen. Um, I don't know what to say about it because he's just, no matter what favors him at the time, that's just what he's going to say. Yep. So he's going to go back. Like, 2015, that's what he believed. And now he's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, why would you not do that? Because it's not going to help you win. The system is fine in helping him win right now. Maybe he sees himself not winning next time, and that's why he wants a ranked ballot. I think that's only so that people, he can encourage people to come together and be like, listen, if we come together as NDP, Liberal, and Green Party on another federal election, then we can put ourselves ranked and we can all, I, I can tell everybody else to vote for you guys a second and third. Yeah, and that would have been the ideal and the appropriate follow-up question, Andrew. Uh, you don't like the idea of proportional uh, representation in 2022, but you're all about it in 2015. We know you don't like it now, um, but what is the reason you changed your spots on this major policy? Mm -hmm. or, like, we know the reason. It's because the classic electoral system has worked for him these past seven years, but I would like to see how he would spin it, but we were denied that opportunity. He also talked a lot about infrastructure in 2015, and where is any of that? Remember those uh, bridges in BC that went underwater? Unfortunately, <laughs> the guy I don't like, Doug Ford, is the only one who I've seen make major announcements about infrastructure in the last few years. Maybe there's something in other provinces that I haven't seen. Maybe it's just because I'm in Ontario. But Doug Ford opening you know, highways, I would consider probably not <laughs> that important, oh. or uh, taking the tariffs off of a uh, a 412, a connecting paid highway. Those are the only things that are actually happening. Um, Justin Trudeau has no federal projects of giant piece of infrastructure, which is why Canada still looks like it's in the late 80s, whereas opposed to places like Korea, uh, you look like you're in a modern city or Malaysia or even the Arab Emirates, David Menzies. You, you know, you really nailed it why Ford did so well and the liberal leader, Stephen Del Duca, did so poorly. Let's just talk about something like Highway 14, uh, 4, 413. I believe um, every riding that Highway 413 uh, touches uh, voted blue, if not every riding, um, every riding except one. I have to double check that figure. The point I'm trying to make, Andrew, is that the people who lived in those ridings north of Toronto, where this highway is going to be built, love the idea. Mm -hmm. Stephen Del Duca 
was listening to the likes of, oh, I don't know, Margaret Atwood in downtown Toronto, <laughs> living on her palatial estate where there'll never be any infrastructure built in front of it, uh, saying, no, 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 uh, don't build that highway. I, I, I don't I don't think this uh, gal goes north of Steeles, for goodness sake. So, um, again, it was a folly for Stephen Del Duca to listen to the elites like uh, Margaret Atwood that don't live in that region. And Ford knew that people who have to commute, uh, they kind of like the idea of another highway to get them to work on time. Um, unlike yourself today, I, I understand you were late. You were on the You just right? got here five minutes ago. <laughs> but don't lie to the audience, David Menzies. <laughs> What's it going to take for the 407 to be free? First, it's owned by like Spanish and or Swedes. Yeah. And then now uh, the government's just like, eh. And you can still get speeding tickets on a highway you pay for. It, it's insane. It's it's no, it, it will never be free. And you're right. It's owned by a Spanish consortium. And uh, in order to buy it back from them, it would be billions and billions. I feel like <laughs> Dr. Evil, billions and billions of dollars. So that's not on the docket. If you want to use it, uh, you got to pay. You know, it's funny. The 407, it's an electronic toll highway, for, uh, folks, if uh, you've never been mm -hmm. to the Toronto area. I have, and I think most people have a love-hate relationship with it. Compared to the 401, you can, uh, well, you're in danger of street racing going 150 <laughs> kilometers an hour. It's like the Autobahn. That part I love, the fact that it almost always moves efficiently. Mm -hmm. The part I don't like is the bill. And if you drive on American toll highways, I remember we are in, um, where was it, uh, Ohio. And I got on a toll highway to get towards Sandusky. And it was fantastic, beautiful highway. And I'm going by 407 rates of pay. Mm -hmm. And I said to Lady Manzoid, I said, wow, look how long we've been on this highway. I bet you this is like an $80 ride, you know? And we get to the toll booth when we exit, and uh, it's not electronic, it's still people giving the toll. And it was, um, that'll be $3.42, sir. <laughs> I went, what? Well, Are you missing a decibel here? Writer Dave has always been a big proponent of American highways, the way yeah. it's all one way on one side and one way on the other side, and the tolls, it seems to work better than what we have here. Yeah, um, well, cheaper for sure, but. I would uh, like people to let us know through paid chats if they agree with the paid highways, if they disagree with the paid highways. I, I also want to ask Ontarians, if you're watching, why they think Northern Ontario votes uh, orange all the time. They're always voting NDP in yeah. the northern part of the province. If you have the answer to that, I have my theories, but if you have the answer to that, let us know. I think we have another Trudeau clip. It's not a Trudeau uh, clip. It's all we do. Okay, before we get to one of his chief lieutenants, uh, Let's run this uh, clip. I'm sure it's very pithy prose. Take it away, Justin. Glad to see they're still wearing masks as well. But it matters for the world. At a time where we're seeing democracies backslide everywhere around the world, a rise of populism and nationalism, a rise of authoritarianism and strongman politics, it really matters that we have strong young leaders like Gabriel stepping forward to say, no, this is the direction uh, that we need to go in, not just as a country, not just as a continent, but as a world. And that's why it's an incredible pleasure for me uh, to be able to introduce you and through our friends in the media, so many Canadians uh, to this extraordinary young leader uh, that I'm very excited about working with in the coming years.
Wow, populism and nationalism so bad. So it's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. I hope anybody who watches him and maybe votes for him sees that he, it's all about the world instead of Canada. Your national identity does not matter. Well, Andrew, two things. One is anytime Justin Trudeau dares to use the word democracy, he should have his mouth cleaned out with soap, I think. <laughs> Secondly, he talks about the rise of authoritarianism. Oh, what would that be? Would that be, oh, I don't know, the People's Republic of China, the country that in 2014, before he became prime minister, he said he has an admiration for the basic dictatorship of China. Because it gets things done, David Menzies. Well, yeah, and he proved that with the trucker convoy. Yeah. I'm not going to meet with you. I'm not going to have a powwow. I'm going to invoke the Emergencies Act. I'm going to demonize and vilify you. I'm going to have you put in jail for what essentially was bylaw infractions. But the idea of him, uh, you know, eight years ago, praising uh, China and then worried today about the rise of authoritarianism. Well, you can't have it both ways. I mean, look what China has done in the last eight years. You know, uh, there is an ongoing genocide of the Uyghur people there. Uh, it, look what's happened to Hong Kong. Uh, look what's, uh, well, I mean, clearly this is a country that envisions itself as the straw that wants to stir the drink. And because we have such a weakling in the White House, I truly fear that the next target will be Taiwan, uh, Andrew Chapados. And again, how can any future leader of a democracy say before he becomes prime minister that he has admiration for China? Well, first of all, if he doesn't understand that we don't live in a democracy and neither is the United States, none of like word is thrown out around a lot when it's convenient for him. But I think. Now, everybody who has been alive, let's say at least 25 years at this point, has seen the writing on the wall in the media as a push towards some sort of global government or global control, which is now he is alluding to. We don't want populism or nationalism. It's about the world, you guys. And every movie and every media outlet has pushed this idea of 30 years for globalization. Um, yep. It turned into a word called globalism. But I remember in high school being taught about globalization. We need global marketplaces and global branding and global trade and everything's about the globe. They could only, in every movie where aliens invade or a, a, an international catastrophe happens, it's the whole world comes together and forms one government, and that's the right thing to do. It's just been <laughs> manipulated into people for for the better part of 30 years, I'd say, you know, that the solution to everything is everybody coming together as one global government. That reminds me, I think one of the movies you might be referring to is Independence Day. Independence Day 2012 <laughs> is another movie. Just every movie where there's a, um, what's the movie, Day After Tomorrow, every yep. movie where there's a catastrophe, all the leaders of the world just magically come together and we formed a one world government because China and Saudi Arabia, they just care about the planet as much as everybody else does, you guys. You know, Independence Day was really a tragedy because <laughs> it was one of these movies I call a two-thirder. Uh, for two-thirds of the movie, it was actually very entertaining and it was a great narrative. Which part of Independence Day do you have a problem with, David? Uh, no, the, the one that made me laugh out loud in the cinema, even though it wasn't intended for humor, it was unintentional humor, which is my my favorite form of humor, I got to tell you, it was when all the nations of the world are, are getting their, um, you know, their uh, armies together mm -hmm. and, and their war machines and their uh, fighter jets. And there's this scene and I think it's 
the Israeli Air Force guys standing outside their fighter jets and um, pilots of an Arab nation, I can't remember which. And there's kind of this look that they're giving each other that, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> You're okay. We got to worry about these the real monster, those aliens taking over the world. But uh, all this uh, Israeli Middle East uh, conflict uh, that's uh, secondary. It, like suddenly, you know, decades of uh, vilification yeah, exactly. just went out it's the all window. Fine now. We're all one happy planet. As if the Chinese government just wouldn't completely go underground. Can we type in Independence Day Target Remains? That's my favorite scene, I think, and see if that scene comes up and play that for everybody because you know the guy who plays the president what's his name his oh. speech that he gives maybe this will be our real independence <laughs> day and then you've got um who's the guy who plays the crazy guy who's the fight ends up being the fighter pilot that saves them by flying oh, into it oh yeah uh, randy uh, quaid it? yes randy yeah, okay. quaid the very eccentric randy quaid you know uh, i don't see that uh, but that's okay. We, we need not dwell on that. Why don't we get back to... Target uh, the, remains. Is, uh, <laughs> super producer Olivia, do we have uh, Stephen Gibault? Uh, yeah, here he's is... He's looking handsome. And he's not dressed in orange, which is a change from his haberdashery back when he was doing time. And he refers to that. Let's hear what the environment minister has to say. You are at the age when I got involved in activism to fight for government to wake up on action on climate change. In fact, I climbed the CN Tower to make that point in 2001. Wow. But today you don't Very have cool. to climb towers anymore to get people's attention on climate change. The two leaders we're welcoming here today are fully on board and are taking action, but they need your help and your commitment to clean up our air and water, to protect our natural world, and to make progress on shared priorities we hold dear such as defending and strengthening democracies, uh, standing up for gender equality, and more. So they're not gonna stand, there's so many easy points, okay? So cleaning up our water means nothing. There doesn't appear to be any problem with the Great Lakes other than who owns it. Um, the air quality, they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Canada's already better off, um, it's, what's it called? Uh, uh, the negative that comes off of how much forestry we have is a thing and uh canada CO2 emissions or yeah well we have tr many trees and they have uh they we go carbon negative from how many trees we have mm -hmm. i forget what the exact term is but it's not like they're doing anything all they have is a carbon tax that's just shame on you if you do if you do pollute and then you know gender equality they obviously don't actually care about that around the world i mean they deal with countries all the time that don't have gender equality and they don't have a problem with it and it was donald trump who wanted to make you know more equality across the world he came out with that um plan to decriminalize homosexuality across the world. So they don't actually do anything. They're just talking to, I'm sorry, stupid kids, if you're there and you'd be like, oh yes, Stephen Gilbo, you climbed the CN Tower. Would agree. So did he actually get convicted of this crime? Did he get pardoned oh, yes. from it? So how is he allowed to be in government if he was convicted of this crime? Well, I think more to the point, well, we always believe in second chances. You do your crime, you do your time, and then all is forgiven. Uh, however, I can't remember, Andrew, any politician, I'm just rewinding like some VHS tape, my wow. memory here, um, ever pointing to criminal activity he was proud of. Usually you play it down, you want to change the channel of anyone 
um, you know, a heckler, a journalist brings that up. But Stephen Guibault is actually very happy that he's a criminal or a former criminal. Yeah. Also, when it comes to, you know, gender equality, I mean, he is the minister uh, for the environment and climate change. Um, how, I mean, pick a lane already. Why is he referring to gender equality? What is the reason that he would refer to gender equality when he's the environment and climate change uh, minister. Andrew, connect the dots for me. W um, where's he going? I, I, I'm really confused. Well, the obvious answer is that he has no point. It's just something you can say that sounds good. <laughs> but if I were to step in their shoes and say, why am I fighting for gender equality, you would say, you know, women are still paid less than men. Um, women across the world are still uh, victims of sexual uh, discrimination and sexism and their auto bodily autonomy rights are under attack. Just look at the Supreme Court ruling in the United States, David Menzies. Mm. Your rights are under attack. And no matter what you do, you will never be as good as a man. I mean, that's the basis for their actual argument is that things, even though we're in power and Joe Biden's in power and they control everything right now, things are, you're, you're never actually going to be equal. And apparently, even when they're in power, they can't change it at all. Even though they yeah. own the parliament and they own the house in the United States and Jagmeet and Trudeau have this alliance together, even though that they're they're calling the shots on everything, they can't change it for the better. They can't change the discrimination. Yeah. So either there isn't any discrimination or they don't want to change it, which is the answer. I don't know. Well, and how about this as a concept? Um, lead by example. Uh, Justin Trudeau, he's all about diversity, but this is a guy that's worn blackface so many times. In his own words, he can't even remember how many it's times. It's only he's at done least that. four, David. Uh, well, that we know him. Um, <laughs> and he's also the first feminist prime minister, but this is the, the guy that groped reporter um, Rose Knight. And instead of apologizing, it's a lesson for all of us to learn. Well, wait a minute. I wasn't there. I didn't do any groping. Why is it a lesson for all of us to learn? And um, and basically, he didn't know who Rose Knight was. And that's why he thought he could get away with it. Um, again, they don't practice what they preach. They're complete hypocrites. And when you hear this nonsense uh, coming out of their mouths, uh, again, it just strains uh, credibility for me, Andrew. Um, now, we, I believe we have a Pastor Art update. Do mm -hmm. we have a video on that? Um, I know Sheila's out there covering it with uh, part of the team in Alberta, I was going to say Edmonton, but that's just the city, not the province. Um, and I was just looking, I was trying to find that term for climate change, how, how trees reduce CO2 in the atmosphere. It's, uh, I forget the term, and it, it's just, a, just the idea that having more trees reduces carbon dioxide in the air, obviously, and that's why Canada actually um, has a net benefit um, in terms of carbon emissions because we have so many trees. But yeah. I digress, as producer Efron would say, we have an update for Pastor Arter. Can we put that on the screen? Um, live tweets from Pastor Arter in court again. Uh, they just can't leave this guy alone. <laughs> Jason Kenney is no longer, you know, in charge of the party. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, I guess it's UCP in Alberta, right? Correct. They just have no problem with it. Um, they're so conservative. They're house is on fire well, and just like let it go like how are they just at no point like they really hate him well i don't know why they don't rein in the bureaucracy and let's be honest it was cases like pastor art andrew i think 
that made uh, Premier Jason Kenney uh, outgoing Premier Jason Kenney um, because people did not understand how the state was throwing everything against this poor man, uh, including those spectacles like being arrested on a live highway when it was slippery road conditions. Absolutely the no reason for that. of it all? Oh, yeah. That was just law enforcement theater uh, to, <laughs> you know, we're going to show you how we deal with uh, pastors. I mean, uh, you never even see that when it's like, uh, you know, gangbangers or mafiosa or terrorist types. So, I, you know, I don't understand this um, obsession with preachers uh, like Pastor Art, those churches that decided to re remain open. But I would suggest that this was a huge factor in what happened to uh, Premier Kenny's popularity. Well, it's interesting, and I think there's a bit of an Alberta delusion, I call it, where they think there's people of Alberta who vote down the line conservative think that they have more of a conservative government than they actually have when it's really just establishment. Yep. Uh, what's the orange almost or purple maybe in the middle of liberal and conservatives. And it's interesting how these stories like Pastor Order become more of an international sensation than they do in Canada. The mainstream media in Canada doesn't touch them, but we get at Rebel News more calls from the United States on this. We get more calls from the United States on the churches being vandalized. We get more calls from the United States on gun control issues because mm -hmm. somehow mass shootings in the United States equal more gun restrictions in Canada. Americans just care about freedom more. And in Alberta, they don't exactly have this stranglehold or this strong conservatism that most people would think of. It's more of the media saying like, Alberta is a little bit crazy, you guys. They try to make them seem like they're Alabama or something. When really it just has big cities like Ontario, probably like it has Calgary and Edmonton, whereas Ontario has Toronto and Ottawa. And they're very liberal cities. And the idea that it's, strictly conservative and a conservative stronghold, I think only holds up in name and the fact that they vote for who they vote for in the federal election, even though, you know, Jason Ken Jason Kenney's policies are pretty similar to Doug Ford's, who are pretty similar to Justin Trudeau. And do we have any more details about uh, Pastor Art, um, Andrew? Because Originally, Sheila was going to be on the show. Uh, Sheila and I co-host every uh, Tuesday and Thursday, but she is so super busy. Uh, she's in court. I don't know if it's a pastor art case or it's another. Uh, well, I'm just going to pull up Sheila's Twitter church. while it's all on TV here. <laughs> and it, it's it, it that speaks volumes, doesn't it, folks? The fact that Sheila is still running around courtrooms in Alberta uh, covering how the province is throwing the book at certain pastors and certain <laughs> churches. Unbelievable. But well, um, Sheila says as of 12 minutes ago, they're still going through a tech issue at the... So he's in court right oh, now. Oh, okay. Um, I'll just read some tweets from her here if you want to pull up her page on screen there. Fantastic. Um, the peace officer says this appeared to be a social gathering that breached the CMOH order. Uh, there is no social distancing and that the homeless church and the people were hugging and did not appear to be from the same household since they arrived separately. Um, the Crown is trying to inject evidence. Sheila says that doesn't matter into this case. She wants uh, the peace officer to answer a question about whether or not people were masking outside while being homeless and getting a sandwich because she says it colors the event. 
um, you know, as an illegal gathering. Chile used the word scofflaw gathering, as I'm sure you, you're, a, you're a fan of. And so they're live tweeting at the trial herself and uh, Celine Gallus, I believe is her last name, or the reporter out there. Um, a little bit more here. The peace officer says that once she moved in to educate, in quote, and enforce the CMO <laughs> she order. Did really use that word? I guess so. Educate. Some people in the crowd became angry with her, but not Pastor Art, in that her CPS security told her to fall back. She's testifying that Art and Sheila writes, gasp, <laughs> shook hands and greeted the homeless by touching them. This sounds a lot like what David Menzies and producer Efron were fined for in Ontario. So like I said, Alberta is not uh, the freedom-loving place. It, 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 somebody's out for Pastor Arter in the Alberta government, whether it's Jason Kenney's cronies or some judges or some people in the legislature there. And please follow Sheila Gunn-Reed on Twitter yep. and Celine as well. And you will get these updates on our website, as you can see right there. You want to bring that up, Olivia, on the main screen. Of course, um, Pastor Arter has been to many events. He's spoken at many events. He's been on many of our shows. And guess what would ha get Pastor Arter to never have to have done any of this stuff was to not have the restrictions in the first place. Exactly. So it's always in the government's hand. That's why I disagreed with, you know, uh, Big Papa Pierre Polyev and Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford when there was a stoppage at the land bridge between Canada and America because it seems to me that their opinion is only the government gets to decide when people's businesses are closed and whether you agree with the idea or not. Uh, it's fair for you to disagree that all the commerce should be stopped or should be allowed to keep going and it shouldn't be stopped and there shouldn't be blocks at the border if that's what you want to believe. But how come the government's the only one who gets to decide when people should be open or not? I guess that's the power we give them in this country. I disagree with it. And maybe that's why uh, we get so many comments from America being like, I don't understand why you guys don't like freedom. <laughs> yeah. And also, it to me, it always ran contrary to the science Uh Andrew, if you and I ran a little mom-paw store. Which we did. And it was, yeah, it's a palm-paw store, of course. <laughs> wow. uh, but if it was like, say, 5,000 square feet, and we limited, you know, three or four people in at a time, and we did the social distancing thing, and then we diligently cleaned the surfaces, you can maintain a higher degree, I would argue, of hygiene and sanitation in a small business than a enormous airplane hangar sized Walmart <laughs> or Costco. And yet those were the ones that were uh, that were allowed to open. Didn't make sense at all. And, um, you know, the, you, you raised, I, I was given the same uh, flashback memory when they spoke about the hugging. Oh, the hugging going on. We're not from the same I mean, household. And, and uh, what uh, Andrew was referring to folks is that, um, I don't know if it was, was it last April or April 2020? I can't remember. We went to Peterborough to cover a freedom rally, and I received uh, a ticket of a substantial amount. I think it was like uh, $1,650, something like that. Just that. And when we saw the officer's notes, um, and I'm not making <laughs> and this And photos. Up. Oh, yeah, and photos. Uh, Menzies was observed shaking hands. Ooh, really? Menzies was observed laughing. Laughing. Does that spread the coronavirus, folks? Uh, to give you an update on that case, it is going to trial. Uh, I, I can hardly wait because uh, I think um, the people promoting this conviction are going to be made fools of. But the last step was agreeing to drop the charges if we, that is Rebel News, 
make a $500 donation uh, to a local hospital. No, I'm not even five cents, not even a nickel. I am not going to bend the knee and say, you know, you're right. I was guilty of shaking hands and laughing. Uh, not a chance. Um, so I don't also, know where these people are coming from. Also, why would anyone donate to a government entity? They're already taking your money. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. And I think... Um, Super producer uh, Olivia has got it up there. So if you want to read all the nitty gritty details, um, my goodness, poor, the poor people of Peterborough having that police force, uh, or sorry, police service. We don't use this. Yeah, the and they were so anymore. angry at that event too, yeah. which was a Randy Bobandy Hillier event as well. Well, he was there. I shouldn't say it was his event. Didn't he get, t I know. Yeah, well, he got tickets. He got tickets. And uh, yeah, because evidently, uh, having wrongful political thoughts is a crime, at least during a pandemic, folks. Uh, even And by the way, did was there any super spreader event traced back to Peterborough that day when thousands of people came to that rally? No. My theory, super spreader events don't exist. Exactly. Producer Olivia, can we please find uh, Ryan Whitney, the hockey player, was talking at oh. Pearson International Airport. Former hockey player, obviously. Well, I guess it's not obvious to people who don't know. But Ryan Whitney on Twitter, he's sick of the wait times at Pearson. They still have insane rules, of course. You're going to see him with a mask on. Uh, so let's get to that. And then after, let's see if we have any paid chats as well. So this is former NHL player Ryan Whitney. He's got a alcohol called Pink Whitney. This is very popular. You've okay. never seen that. What I just, kind of alcohol? Um, it's like a, like a, a ladies like mixed uh, drink. It's pink, uh, pink lemonade flavor. That's why and I don't know about it. You should. <laughs> and I'm just going over why his his voice matters here because he's very popular podcaster on Barstool, very popular podcast and uh, alcohol connoisseur. Let's play what his thoughts are at the airport. Hey guys, Whit here. I don't even really know where to explain. So for people telling me to drive, I can't drive. They have my bags, they won't give them back. So I had Edmonton to Toronto yesterday. I landed around three. I then had Toronto to Boston at 8.30. Customs was about three hours, got through, flight canceled from Toronto to Boston. All right, at this point now I go and I see there is a 400 person line with two Air Canada workers. There's a million canceled flights, everyone's just panicking. So I waited in that line about six hours. At near the end of the line, by the way, you know how much my feet hurt? Near the end of the line, they closed it. They just said, oh, you have to go somewhere else. We had to re-enter Canada. We had to go through Canadian customs. So by the time I finally see someone from Air Canada, it's 1 a.m. I said, can I just get my bags? I had a ride to Buffalo all set up and I had a JetBlue flight from Buffalo. I just need to get out of this country, out of this airport. This is the worst airport on earth. I'm telling you, there's no other airport like this. So they say, no, 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 you can't have your bags. You, you, your bags are already like in the middle of no man's land. You can't have your bags. So we have a 850 flight for you from Toronto to Boston for this morning. This is last, This is at 1 a.m. Okay, I be here at 5 a.m., they said. So I got here at 4.55, I wanted to be five minutes early. So I wanted to be three hours and 55 minutes early. I get here, this woman says, oh, we booked you actually on a flight from here to Montreal and then Montreal to Boston, but that leaves in 50 minutes and you can't make it. They never <laughs> sent me an email. They just, 
I, I, I started laughing. I mean, what are you, you going to do? It was either that or, like, cry. So now I'm on a... So now I'm on a, a 10 a.m., but there's nobody really around the gate. Um, yeah, I'm just... I'm so in shock at this place. It is the biggest disgrace known to man. I... So... Go ahead, Dave. You know what? Um, <laughs> if you want to hear more about it, it is actually, this is how important this story is, I think. On the front page of today's Toronto Sun, uh, the quote is, uh, the headline is, Hell on Earth. No, it's not a story about Afghanistan. It is a story about uh, NHL podcaster Ryan Whitney um, spending two days in uh, Pearson <laughs> Airport. This I, I is, hope he's blogging the whole, vlogging the whole thing. It, you know, Andrew, I mean, we, we get a chuckle, but like he said, you either laugh or you cry. Yeah. This is an absolute disgrace, and there's no reason for it because they're saying we're understaffed, That which is to say, I've talked about this with Sheila, there's only 90% staffing at Pearson, but... Compared to 2019, which was the year before COVID kicked in, the traffic volume at the airport is only 70%. So, in other words, having 90% staffing for only 70% uh, traffic volume, you're actually overstaffed in comparison to 2019. What this crap is all about is COVID screening theater. This is Justin Trudeau and his Liberal Party saying, this is how we're protecting Canadians, even though we're the only ones apparently on the planet doing this. And that's why you have these outrageous fiascos. I mean, the idea of him being rebooked without being told he was re being rebooked, the idea that they were holding his suitcases hostage, this is garbage. And when is it going to end, Andrew? I mean, it's here until at least June 30th. Do we see a reversal of policy come Dominion Day? Well, David, you see the country is in shambles. Uh, the conspiratorial approach to this would be that they want to bring in that digital ID system and say, yeah. look how much more quickly you can go through your travel if you're quadruple you know, eight oh. times vaccinated. And I don't think there's any excuse for it. It's it's already, you know, so many people can't travel in this country by plane or train. Everybody suggests going to the U.S., just like he did. Um, he wanted to go to Buffalo and fly because there's much more opportunity there. And they still, they kept him hostage. They're like, no, you will be a customer of ours and you will like it. And America isn't even anywhere near the amount of options as Europe has for the amount of, you know, different uh, airlines there, um, which Lewis Brackpool can attest to, I think. But, uh, but Andrew, this is fixable. This is this is a scandal. Is. But at this, this point, this is not. Oh, there's nothing we can do. We don't have the infrastructure. No. At this point, David, I feel like it's on purpose, though. Like I agree. I agree. And 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 in addition to the vax passes being that you are you can't go on a plane or a train or a boat, and that is to punish those people who have not been vaccinated. This is a vindictive government that declares war on its own citizens. That's the real scandal with this Pearson Airport right they now. They don't want Canadians to travel. They don't want no. them to leave because they will start leaving this country behind, just like people have fled California and New York in record numbers. They will start leaving 
as soon as they can, and they don't want them to do that. They they can only bring in so many millions of immigrants a year, David. They need some people to stay here. Um, do we have any paid chats to get to before we go to some of our final stories? We're quickly running out of time here. Alrighty. This is going to be hard for us to read. You send them to me? I could only read that if I was a journalist by the name of Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting, oh, supervision? Doesn't he, does he have supervision or can he just shoot things with his eyes? Of course eyes? he's got supervision. Can you uh, message these to, me to <laughs> Olivia, uh, these to me, Olivia, because we're not getting a full screen out here. Well, you know what? While, while we're figuring that out on the topic of Pearson Airport and travel restrictions, et cetera, why don't we uh, throw to um, Melissa Lansman. I really, liked, I really, really like that lady, by the way. Uh, she raised this in uh, Parliament the other day. Uh, I think we have a video clip of Melissa in action. The fiasco at our airports continue. Believe it or not, it's getting worse. More canceled flights, longer lineups, more delays, lost economic activity, and an international reputation in jeopardy. The minister blames travelers and is telling us that things are just as bad in other countries. And despite all the chaos, experts are saying that dropping the restrictions and mandates must happen to clear the backlogs. The government is keeping these unjustified federal mandates in place till June 30th. If experts are already telling them to drop the virtue signaling, what happens on July 1st? Minister of Transport. Mr. Speaker, my honorable colleague is right in one thing. Omar we are seeing delays at airports across the entire world. We're seeing increased demand for travel, and we're seeing increased uh, demand, appetite for people who Except want to travel, and the supply is trying to catch up to it, Mr. Speaker. However, is there a person in the Liberal Party who Mr. doesn't Speaker, seem like a complete moron and or scumbag? We've increased resources at CATSA, at yeah. CBSA, at airports. <laughs> we are working with airports, we're working with airlines, we're working with all stakeholders, and Mr. Speaker, we will do everything we can to ensure that if Travelers have a smooth experience. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Put his mask back on as well. So, um, Melissa Lansman raises a profound question. I want to get your prediction, Andrew. Uh, come Dominion Day, July the 1st, uh, do, are these restrictions lifted or hmm. are they still in place? I'm going to go with in place, which yep. will be my bet. But I will also say that this could be a time where they're just like, look how nice we are to you. Canada Day, you guys can travel and see your loved ones, even though it'll be too late to do so because yeah. um, it'll be Friday and then a weekend and nobody's going to have plans that made that quickly. And then there's going to be, because they won't announce it, maybe they will, maybe I'll be wrong, but they'll probably not announce it ahead of time and uh, there'll be a huge backlog of people wanting to travel and then that will be added <laughs> closures and slowdowns at the airport. Um, it's just a country of love we live in. You know, I was originally leaning towards, yes, finally on July 1st, we have our Independence Day in terms of traveling. <laughs> you really brought um, it full circle. There. Yeah, but and it's because uh, this is a situation that regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, mm -hmm. everyone is decrying it. It is enormously unpopular uh, this, you know, if you're a government, you don't want to be too unpopular for too long because that's how you become the opposition. Now I'm thinking along your lines, Andrew, I think it's still going to be in place. And one of the reasons is the inventory of millions of vaccinations that have been purchased. Yes. Um, because, 
you know, they're on that basis, we got to use them all up and we can't lift restrictions. It's not the right time. I'm speaking in the voice of the Trudeau Liberals now. So um, it'll be fascinating. But like I said, I'm leaning towards more misery, more hell on earth uh, come Dominion Day. Well, in any event, do, oh, sorry, yes, we do. I was just going to say it's best to assume what China would do in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> and more misery is correct. All right. I've got the chats. Thank you, Olivia. We can go ahead and start from the top of, I believe, Annalisa. Yep, 1964. Um, $10. Good morning, my sweet Menzies and Andrew. <laughs> I've missed all your shows last week. Grr, work had me on a course for the week. Anyways, I'm enjoying the show today. Well, that's very nice. Well, thank you, Annalisa. And hey, uh, work comes first. So good for you that you're uh, keeping busy, Annalisa. Unless you work for China. AMT60. <laughs> Yes. Says for the CPC leadership race, there is a ranked ballot. Yes, this is true. My top three are Roman, Pierre, and Leslin, as they're the only three denouncing mandates. They want to pull WEF and WHO. JT can do much harm in three years. I don't think Pierre has said anything about pulling away from the WEF. I think he said he just doesn't believe in it, and he rejects that he was a part of it, even though he was on their website. So who knows what that is. Leslin Lewis, in my opinion, um, she was afraid to ask the or answer the misunderstood girl's question about transgender athletes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, Roman, he comes here and he goes there. But I think ideologically, I think he's the best one. That's just my opinion, David Menzies. Well, I, I like the three of them, uh, but they are all flawed. Um, I think when it comes to Pierre Polyev, and I've gone to um, several, um, you know, speeches of his, and he gets standing ovations, especially when he promises to defund the CBC. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, what makes me nervous is when he goes on a podcast with Jordan Peterson and says he has admiration for the independent media and they definitely have a role and then he won't uh, exactly. sit down with us. I We're mean, too spicy, David Menzies. Yeah, yeah, and when I think of independent media in Canada, I think, you know, of us. you've got to look at Rebel News. Um, Leslie Lewis uh, not answering, you know, basically um, the whole issue of do transgender women have a competitive advantage over biological women? And the answer is absolutely yes. I don't know why she would uh, skirt away from that. And Roman Baber, I mean, uh, at first he was kind of skittish to be in our company, but that's that's changed. He's uh, uh, He sees that we have a large audience that really appreciates many of the things he's saying. So in any event, um, those are some red flags with some of those candidates. But having said that, what's the alternative? Patrick Ooh. Brown? <laughs> yeah, John Charest. Oh, and, uh, Kevin O'Leary endorsed John Charest. Is that right? That? Eh? Yeah. Well, well, you know, uh, I think the Kevin, business of it all. You Ke know? Kevin O'Leary has his own problems right now. You in don't terms say of voting, uh, but uh, in, not voting, but boating. You see what I did there? <laughs> yes, I do. That and never then happened. There's, then there's Scott um, Atchison. Yeah. I always get the pronunciation of his name wrong. And, and I think was it Sheila that uh, described them so beautifully? He's like the father driving the minivan on a cross Canada tour, always looking behind and yelling at the kids in the back seats to settle down and shut up. You know, let, let's all get along on this trip. 
We're going back to Edmonton. Uh, Pamela for Freedom is next on the list here. My concern with the push for electric vehicles is the potential for the power to be powering off your driving rights. And with surveillance capitalism, determining your actions are not acceptable for your social media posts, etc. Yes, of course. And the obvious hypocrisy is what's powering these charging stations. It's not quite like uh, David Suzuki used to do the commercials. If you untwist your light bulb, the smokestacks turn off. (laughs) (laughs) And the problem, too, Andrew, is what might not be powering your um, vehicles. Last month, there was a uh, report issued in California saying that, uh, and it was, I would call it catastrophic, because what they were saying, the state of California has as a matter of law, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, get this through, that mm-hmm. all vehicles will be electric by 2035. 20, that's only 13 years. And this is a state that already has issues with the grid. Now, think of Californians by law being mandated to buy electrical vehicles and plugging in all those electrical vehicles and the state of California has a higher population than all of Canada. What this report said is imminent blackouts and brownouts on a frequent basis. It is a disaster in the making. So they haven't thought this through. And I believe in all of California, there is only one remaining nuclear plant. So if you think you're going to bolster the grid by solar and wind with this oncoming demand, uh, it's not going to happen. Well, at this point, it's safe to assume all these types of moves by politicians like Gavin Newsom are to control you. And all that's going to happen is people in Beverly Hills are going to build their own mini power grid so that when (laughs) the general population power grid goes down, they still have power. Because what if the power goes out, how are you charging your car? You can save gasoline for over a year, I believe, yep. and then you can mix it to make it last longer. How are you going to save energy, like um, the amount of energy that takes to charge a Tesla? It's just not going to happen. And also, a Tesla, I'm sorry, is not a Kia. It's a very expensive car. It's a wonderful car, but who can afford six figures for um, an EV? This guy. Uh, not this guy. <laughs> AMT60 again <laughs> wants to know. Oh, I'm just throwing you under the bus mine's here. A, mine's a plug-in hybrid. Yeah, I still and you won't be plugging it in anymore. In tank boat. <laughs> it's a sweet ride if you're a passenger in the Menzoid Mobile. Usually little <laughs> bottles of water, maybe some bubbly. Um, did you ever watch the X-Files? I used to love it, and they brought it back shortly about five years ago. I know David Menzies watched the X-Files for you, sure. You know what? Um, to my shame, I've only seen three or four episodes, and they were all superb. Um, I just never had the time to, you know, maybe that's my next binge watch. Some thing. say I look like David Duchovny, you know, when I'm a stub lead. Do you think we can get the X-Files on VHS? Uh, no, I don't think you can. <laughs> I think it's a little bit past that time. World's Worst Gamer, which is a fun name, says, obviously David didn't win the lottery as he showed up to work with Andrew. So here's $1 towards, towards his next lottery ticket. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that dollar goes to the company. Uh, but <laughs> at least the thought was there. But uh, Isabel has provided me seven numbers, which I'll play. And you know why I will play them? Because I'm superstitious. Uh, think of the misery for the rest of my remaining life, folks. If Isabel picked seven numbers and I didn't play them, and those were the seven numbers that came up, uh, 
how much therapy would I need to function after that? More than you're in now. Oh, for sure. 70 This person dollars. also says, Iron Mark <laughs> Sharp equals Canada's greatest athlete, but David equals D Canada's greatest reporter. Who's Iron Mark Sharp? Can we Google Iron that? Iron Mike Sharp, I believe. Mike Sharp, excuse me. Yes. Thanks for what you do, David. Thanks to the rest at Rebel News. This guy's clearly a David fan. He will become an Andrew fan if he just watches Andrew Says Thursdays on rebelnewsplus.com. Well, uh, good for you getting that plug in. Thank well, you. World's Worst Gamer, I really appreciate uh, that kudo. And Iron Mike Sharp, uh, for those um, who don't know, was a professional wrestler and always identified. Oh, he's the jobber. Was he a he jobber? He was like semi. You know what? Kind of a put that up, Olivia. Please, kind of an A plus jobber. <laughs> well, that's a good physique. Look at that. But he would always introduce himself as Canada's greatest athlete. And you know, um, he's no Val Venus. <laughs> and you know, the, the thing is, back in the day when the the Toronto Star had ballots, I think it was for the Lou Marsh Award, the the, the best athlete mm. in Canada, I would always mail in in a written uh, declaration, Ballot, yeah. Iron Mike Sharp. You would. And those bastards at the star, when they would publish all the ballots uh, and who got what, they would never refer to my vote. I'm sure there were some other wrestling fans that wrote that in just to take the piss out of them. They would never include Iron Mike Sharp. It was like, oh, professional wrestling. No, we're disqualifying him. So shame on you, Toronto Star. And what a... What, what would be your introduction to the ring if you were a professional wrestler? What do you mean my introduction? Well, that, like my your name? Your self-introduction. If, if, if Iron Mike Sharp would say Canada's greatest athlete, what's your claim to fame? I'd have to think about that one, David Menzies. Um, the most prolific polo shirt wearer in the world. <laughs> they're comfortable. They're professional, David. But thank you for filling that in for me. Judah Bursey. I think is our last chat. Okay. Uh, do you think people will hold Trudeau responsible for all his kafafel next time we have a real election? No, I don't. Really? Um, I mean, what's holding him responsible? Voting him out? I mean, there's been three chances to do that already. So even if he gets voted out next time, I don't think that's holding him responsible. Well, if there, <laughs> if the next election is indeed in 2025, that puts him at 10 years in government. In Canadian parlance, I would argue, Andrew... That's typically the best before date. Uh, after 10 years, uh, there is uh, a climate for change um, as opposed to climate change. Who else was that long? Stephen Harper. Who else was that long? Because well, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you go through history, 10 years is when you max out. And I think, I mean, wherever I go, I find so much resentment for him. The fact that he didn't win in the last two elections, a majority government, that tells you something compared to 2015. Um, I think he's as good as gone. But, you know, three years in political terms, that's an eternity. So much could happen. Who knows? He could save a baby. He could <laughs> have a baby. He could become a baby. And then it would be like, you know what? Unless you're bigoted against man babies, you'll vote for me. I think that's it for us today, David Menzies. Thank yes. you for watching rebelnews.com slash live streams every single day to watch on the best feed, Rumble, Super, You Getter, Odyssey, and probably YouTube as well. Final words, David Menzies, before we throw it to the president's speech in Independence Day? Simply this, as always, folks, stay sane. Our Independence Day. They look a little nervous. I need all flight crews to report that our designated areas immediately. Major. Arlen. Sir. Good morning. 
morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation.